Don't make the mistake of trying to set yourself up as a leader in God's church. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor reminding us only God appoints true spiritual leaders. God is serious about this church, of who he sets up and uses in ministry, that we can't take it upon ourselves. We need to find our calling and discover our gifts and serve in that way. This is amazing grace. Maybe you have a desire to get involved more at church, perhaps even to become a leader. Before you make your next move, you'll want to listen to today's Abounding Grace. As we join Pastor Ed Taylor in Hebrews chapter 5, it becomes apparent that God alone appoints spiritual leaders. It's not something we choose for ourselves. As we learn about the high priest, we need to remember in verse 4 now that no man takes this honor to himself but he who is called by God, just like Aaron. Nobody can take this honor to himself. Nobody could wake up in the morning and declare themselves a priest or a high priest. They had to come very specifically through a family line, and then everyone in that family line, all, they all weren't high priests. It was God's selection. You remember, the high priest needed to come through the family of Aaron, through his son Levi, and then Levi had three sons, and it had to be through specifically the son Kohath. That's the only line that you could be born in in order to be the high priest. And nobody could be a priest apart from the family of Aaron and the family of Levi. That was God's way. That was his prescription, right? We learned you cannot worship God any old way. God describes and prescribes for us how we're to worship him, and he laid it out for us. You couldn't appoint yourself. And what's true then is true now. You and I, we cannot appoint ourselves to a place of ministry or leadership. We cannot do that. No man takes this honor to himself. And I have to say, in the many, many years that I've had the privilege of serving Jesus Christ, I have met a lot of men who have appointed themselves as leaders in the church, or at least attempted to. And they've come and they've declared that this is what God has told them to do, and and instead of building relationship, they just kind of take it upon themselves. And they'll come and introduce themselves and say, this is why I'm here, and this is why God sent me here. And it's like, but but we don't even know you. We haven't even seen anything in your life. We don't know what you've been called to. We haven't seen any fruit. We haven't seen you go through any difficulties. We don't know you. You may or may not be called by God, but give us some time, and let's build a relationship, and we'll see if God has called you to be a leader. But you see, you cannot take this honor upon yourself. You have to be called by God. And that calling has to be evident both to you and to others. You can't self-ordain yourself. You can't just print up some business cards, set up a website, start writing on Facebook as if God, you have appointed yourself the new leader of the church and set up your YouTube videos. And your, look, you can do all of that, but that doesn't mean it's from the Lord. And I have met many people in this very building that come up to me, hand me a business card, tell me about a website, and say, I am God's appointed. I'll give you one example. It was a few years ago, and it was around the anniversary of Columbine. That was his first mistake, because the brother came in, uh, whether he's a brother or not, but the guy came in with a big black trench coat. 
So let's just say, before he ever talked to me, he met a lot of our security folks here. That was a bad idea. He comes up to me, flips out, I mean, he must have practiced this, flipped out his business card, and he gave it to me. You know what it said? It said, Michael the Archangel, messenger of God. Whoa! Michael, he's here. Let me just say, I wasn't in the best of moods that day. And unfortunately, some days I'm in better moods than others. So I engaged the guy in conversation. He handed me his business card. Michael the Archangel. You know, bro, I don't think you're Michael the Archangel. Oh, yeah, I'm Michael the Archangel sent from God. And the message I have from God is, you and I, I'm going to destroy this church, and you and me, Ed, are going to rebuild it. Really? I don't, the Lord's never talked to me about destroying any church. As a matter of fact, I see him building the church and people are getting saved. And so I say, so I say, are you really Michael the Archangel? Yeah, I'm Michael the Archangel. I was like, bro, I don't believe you. And, and then I asked him, I said, and, and, and so it was, I wasn't, it, just, just bear with me. I, I just cut me some slack. It was a bad day. I said, bro, show me your wings. He goes, I don't got no wings. And, and no, no, he wasn't too happy about that question. I said, man, I don't know. You just don't, you know, the Bible says when angels show up, people are scared, man. I'm not scared of you. You know, there's nothing about you that, and, and he's like, no, I am. And, you know, if you don't do this, the judgment of God, I'm like, hey, look, listen, I could take whatever God has for me, but you, God didn't send you here. I mean, you don't even have a Bible, man. Don't you think an angel today would be carrying a Bible? You don't even have a Bible. Quote me a couple verses. And it went on like that. And he's like, I'm not quoting universe. I'm like, well, bro, I don't think you're my, and just walk where I can take. And oh, by the way, take your business card with you because I don't believe you are who you are. Seriously, I meet people like that a lot. I mean, that's the top one. That's why I'm sharing it with you. That's the top one. I mean, I don't know. Hopefully everything's all right. He's, Michael the Archangel is going to be flying in here and going, bro, you know, I mean, but I meet these people all the time, and I understand that. Like, they're self-appointing themselves. And that's just not how God works. The Bible says that God raises up one and puts down another. And, and even as verse 4 says, no man will take this upon himself. You can't take this, no, don't miss this word, honor. It is an honor to serve God. It is an honor to lay your life on the sacrificial table to serve him, to pour into other people. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's challenging. Yes, but so is life. Life is challenging. But I'll tell you what's more challenging. What's more challenging is taking this honor upon yourself. Because God doesn't take too lightly to that. That, that, that guy, he's going to have to answer to God, not me. But he won't get access to this church, I'll tell you that. I mean, if God wants access to this church, he knows how to get it. And it's not by coming in and handing me a card. I didn't even know angels had cards, man. I read in the Bible, you don't need a card to announce yourself. It's obvious. I'd fall down and be afraid. Listen, don't take this honor to yourself. You must be called of God with evidence among the elders, fruit flowing from your life. You know, when you see on occasion us... Uh, as a church family, bringing a man and his family up here to lay hands on them and ordain them into the ministry, we aren't ordaining them in our own effort and energy. Like, there's nothing that we have that can convey that to a man. When we ordain a man in the ministry and send his family out, we are just simply telling you we see the hand of God in their life. We agree with God about their ordination. It's not us. We don't have any power in ourselves. Uh, you, you, you serve here, God will raise you up or put you down. Like, just serve the Lord with 
gladness. Spiritual authority is not something you take upon yourself. So often, you know, Paul would even describe himself, and this guy was the key leader of the New Testament. He would describe himself as what? A bondservant. I mean, if he had an office and a door, on the door would say, I'm just a servant of the Lord. That's it. I'm just a servant of the Lord. That's why I've always been challenged when people want to call me reverend or senior pastor or whatever. I'm just a man that serves the Lord. I know my role. I know what God's called me to do, but I'm no different than you. And this is a work of God in my life. This is not the work of man. And so I serve God with the, the place of I can only go lower for him, not higher, to be more usable in his kingdom in these last days, not less usable. And it's important. I want to show you an example of what it looks like of how God views someone taking leadership to himself. Would you turn back now as we wind down to Numbers chapter 16? So we're going to go way back. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Numbers chapter 16, to the left, all the way back in the Old Testament. I want to introduce you to a man by the name of Korah. Because Korah is an example of someone that took leadership upon himself and challenged the God-appointed leadership. And it didn't end well. Many of you are familiar with this true story. But pick up with me in verse 1 of Numbers chapter 16 where it says, Now Korah the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, with Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab and On, the son of Peleth, the sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. This is a pretty significant rebellion. Korah, it says in verse 1 that he took men, but in verse 2 we see that he influenced 250 leaders of the congregation. Key men, people that were very important, influencers, people that were looked to for leadership. He's able to get 250 leaders to agree with him as he's stirring up strife, as he's stirring up division, as he's envious and jealous of God using Moses. And he was an important man, Korah was. You can see if you look back in verse 1, Korah was, was not just some random guy. He was exactly what you would look for when you're looking for the high priest. He, notice in verse 1, he's the son of Ishar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, all the way back to Aaron. That's the lineage of the high priest. So he was a man with influence. But he was able, as men with influence are able to do from time to time, when they lose their way in the spirit, to influence other people to follow him and gather people around. And you could say that he's looking for the disgruntled. He's looking for the upset. He's looking for people that agree with him. He's looking to stir up strife. And he's able to find 250 men, not just anyone, but key people. And it's so much what, what is the fruit of church splits today in so many, where unfortunately men and women decide to rise up. They decide to take action. Something needs to change here. I don't like it. I don't like what's happening. You're not doing it right. Instead of becoming a part of the solution, instead they want to split and divide and literally take advantage of people. Stirring up strife and discord, it's just wrong. And we already know that from the Proverbs because in one of the things the Proverbs declares that God hates, he says this, and he says it straight up. I love God because he doesn't pull any punches. He's, God is not passive aggressive. He just says it like it is. And what does God say? He hates those who sow seeds of discord. Where? Among the brethren. It's not approved by God. Korah is here sowing seeds among, of discord 
among the brethren. And notice, they gather together, verse 3, against Moses, against the leadership, and Aaron, and said to them, and it sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves among the congregation of the Lord? That's an interesting thing to say, because it, you Bible students know Moses didn't want this gig. He didn't want this. When God's hand was upon him, he responds, by, I can't do it. I don't want to send someone else. And God was very gracious because Moses was his choice, and he put Aaron alongside of him and said, hey, you can go, but you're going to go with Aaron. And he says, okay, I'll go. So this idea of Moses exalting himself isn't true. Moses was a servant, and many times he wanted to back out of the thing. He says, I don't know, why'd you choose me? Why'd you put me among these people? And stirred up all kinds of things in our brother's heart. But it's interesting. Oh, he's exalting himself. Why? Because God was using him. He was being used. He was ministering to the people. He was being used in miraculous ways that were giving God the glory. But Korah didn't like that, and neither did the 250 people. And so when, when you're accused of being exalted, this is the right response, verse 4. So when Moses heard it, he fell on his face. And that's a familiar posture with Moses. And if you like to write in your Bibles, I have it in my, I just, I just wrote this down. I circled the word exalt, and I circled the word fell, and I wrote little arrows because that's how it should be. We're never to exalt ourselves. We're to fall on our face before the Lord. It's an interesting contrast that God himself gives to us. And you know, remember this, church. Divisive language always sounds good at first. You're in a place where you're looking for encouragement, something has happened, someone has wronged you, and then when you know it, someone that comes along in your life, someone maybe you even trust, maybe another leader, another pastor, go, oh, it's okay, it's okay, everything's going to be fine. The way they did things before, oh, it's so much worse than what we do, and you find this conversation, it sounds so spiritual and even comforting in the beginning, but the problem is, is that it's coming from someone that doesn't really care, because anyone that cares like if you have at odds with someone, you have odds with someone in your life, someone in your family, you have odds with someone in a church, you have odds with another leader, a pastor, whatever. You know that that person was sent by God when they send you back to the person to resolve it. They came from God. You know why? The Bible says that. If your brother sinned against you, you go to him and him alone share that offense and if your brother hears you what does the bible say you've won your brother that's the heart of god the heart of god is not division the heart of god is not animosity and strife the heart of god is not oh you know they hurt me over here but these treat me so much. no the, this is the body of christ do you know that when we get to heaven the kind of divisions that we see in the body of christ today aren't going to be in heaven did you know that one, we were talking about this uh, just on our drive recently. We're just like, you know, all the little divisions and, and distinctions we make on earth aren't going to be that way in heaven. The church is a lot larger than we're willing to accept. There are people that are going to get saved that when you get to heaven, they're gonna, you're going to look at them and go, you made it to heaven? I mean, in some hyper churches, and you didn't even go to our church and you made it? But then they're going to turn around and go, dude, I never thought I'd see you in heaven. And you're going to have a conversation. You're going to hug. You're like, we made it. We made it. And all the divisions are going to be gone. Korah is in sin right here as a key leader among the people of God. 
He's in sin by causing strife and division. And notice God's response. Moses, you know, he falls on his face. He cries out to God. And he says, jump to verse 27. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of the tents, their wives, their sons, and their little children. Which, which by the way, your sin always affects other people especially the ones that are closest to you. And Moses said, verse 28, By this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them of my own will. If these men not dry naturally like all men, or if they're visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. And so basically he's saying, you know what, guys? If you live beyond today and you live a full life, then I'll, I'll admit I wasn't sent by God. But, check this out, if the Lord creates a new thing, Verse 30, and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up and all that belongs to them and they go down alive into the pit, then you'll understand that these men have rejected the Lord. See, they came against Moses, but they actually came against God. You'll notice that distinction all the time. So he's saying, look, if you live a long life, if you, basically he's saying, if you survive today, I'll admit I wasn't sent, but if, if the, and he didn't do anything like, you know, if the, if the cloud, if there's a cloud in the sky, I mean, he was very precise. If the ground opens up and swallows you alive, then I think we'll know who sent who, who God sent. I think that's a pretty bold thing, don't you? So what happens? What happens? <laughs> it came to pass, verse 31, that as he finished speaking all these words, oh no, the ground split apart under them and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with all their households and all the men of Korah, with all their goods. And so Billy and all those with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them, and they perished from among the congregation. And then Israel, who were all around them, fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth also swallow us up. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Yikes! God does not take kindly to divisiveness, especially from spiritual leaders. Of all the people that we should be working in unity, it's those of us that are in places of spiritual leadership. God judges this sin of rebellion. Probably the mo one of the most sorrowful things about this is that their family paid the price. Korah's family paid the price. It'll take you out, it'll take you down, and it'll destroy a family. You think what you're doing is okay, you think that it won't affect anyone? You think, well, if I get caught, then I'm the one who will pay? Yet there's a price that's for everyone that's close to us that the family pays for sin. And I just say God is serious about this church, of who he sets up and uses in ministry, that we can't take it upon ourselves. We need to find our calling and discover our gifts and serve in that way. Because Aaron represents Jesus Christ here as the high priest, and apart from Jesus Christ, there is no other way. And the significance of setting yourself up as a leader is to undermine the perfect will of God. And you know, those of us that lead, especially those of us that, that, that teach the Bible, uh, you got to understand the thing that really dif differentiates us is that the Bible says, I'm going to face a stricter judgment. I don't know what that is, but it certainly concerns me as I open the Bible and study and I pour my life in to praying and studying the Bible so that I might serve this church this way. It's why I can't take a lot of appointments. It's why I can't be at every event. 
It's why I can't do everything that perhaps other pastors might be able to do or I even would want to do it because I must take my calling seriously because if I fail in my calling and I just phone it in or I just download a message from the internet, it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt your life. You don't need to hear some wooden message that I bought on the internet at findasermon.com, which I'm not sure if that exists. I just made it up, but I bet it does. It's like, Ed, I'm looking up now. I'm buying a subscription. I'm going to check. No, I'm, I'm, I, I, I need to pour over and labor in the word and prayer so that I'll be open to a work of the Holy Spirit because your family matters to me. I've been sent to Colorado to serve you and to be available to you. Of all the people that have come through our church, all the people I've had the privilege of serving, I take it very seriously. And therefore, I realize that I have a stricter judgment. I don't want to stir up strife. I don't want to be divisive. And, and as a leader of the church, I also will train and teach other men to do the same thing, to care for this flock and to put away divisiveness and to bring unity and harmony in the body of Christ. Because that's where we're headed, gang. We're headed to more unity. The closer we get to heaven, the more unified we'll be. Because when we breathe our last and we wake up in the presence of God, that's all that's going to matter is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege of studying your word and just knowing uh, the reality of, of your love for us. And we don't take this upon ourselves. And I just pray for those that are sowing seeds of discord, those that are propping themselves up and, and even uh, getting people to follow them, drawing people after themselves. May you protect us from doing that and may you deal righteously with those that are, that we might live lives free of this drama uh, and craziness and just live our lives in such a way to live. We don't want to be like Korah. No way. We want to be free of the bondage of division. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today as we study through the Bible and learn of God's abounding grace. This is Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Are you interested in hearing this again? It's easy to do when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com or through our church app. Do a search for Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play to download that to your mobile device. Pastor Ed, our pick of the month is an excellent book written by a friend of yours, Skip Heitzig. What can you tell us about it? Well, you know, Larry, believers generally want to understand the Bible. They want to read it, and they want to walk away with it with some understanding. And so they open up their Bible, you know, especially at the beginning of the year. They read Genesis, and like, okay, I get a lot of what Genesis is saying. And they read Exodus, and they say, okay, I get a lot of what Exodus is saying. Uh, and then I read Leviticus, and then mind gets all scrambled, and they're not sure where it all fits. And then they look back and go, you know, I really didn't understand that in Exodus. And, you know, I really didn't understand that in Genesis. People get discouraged. Well, we, you know that we've all been trained at Calvary Chapel through the inductive Bible study method. It's usually done in a one- or two-day class, and it'll teach you how to handle the Bible, making good observations, making good interpretations, accurate the interpretation, right? And also good applications. Well, Pastor Skip put together this book that is the best simple introductory lesson teaching on how to do inductive Bible. It is for the beginner. Uh, it is for someone that says, I, I want to take the next step in reading the Bible. And, and I really, I was actually hosting a live, our live radio show here in Denver, in Colorado, 
it's called Calvary Live. And part of the answer was recommending this book. And I'm like, you know what? Uh, we need to recommend this to our radio audience uh, because it's that good. Uh, and and I'm Pastor Skip, of course, you know, anyone that's heard him teach, he's he is uh, a premier, if not the premier Bible teacher uh, in our country today. And, and this is the methodology that he uses to handle the text. It's simple, and I want to emphasize that. You, you're not si- sitting in a seminary class. It's a simple introduction, and I promise you, really, I, I promise you that when you read it, you will gain new skills in reading your Bible, studying it, and enjoying it. And that's the key. So you can start enjoying the Bible, and then when the Bible says to test all things and hold fast to what is good, this will help you along the path. So whatever you hear, you can come back to the Word, observe it, interpret apply it and then be able to say, you know, that person, what they said is not accurate. So good. Pick it up. It'll be a blessing to you. That's how to study the Bible and enjoy it. Request your copy today for a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for your generous support of Abounding Grace. We really can't do this without the Lord and the help of our listeners. We'll return to Hebrews next time out on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.